Jesus. Blessed be thy holy name. Blessed be the great and the mighty name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear God Almighty. Holy is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Mighty is our God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. What a beautiful spirit here tonight. And I'm certainly glad to be in God's house right here, right now. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'm turning to the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah tonight. I want to say again that we appreciate each and every one of you that are here, assembled together in the house of the Lord, as a part of the mighty congregation of God. Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is a great God, a mighty God, a holy God. <clears throat> Isaiah 54, I'd like to turn your attention to verse 17, the very last verse of chapter 54. It said, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. That's right, right out of the Word of God. 
I want to read also from the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, this is the blessed man, the blessed man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I would definitely encourage everybody to work with that which prospers. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Lord has appointed some things and some people, and most especially his church, to prosper. He, uh, he doesn't want you to find in him that you suffer lack. He doesn't want you to find that you are like you were in the world, that you were alone, and that you were living a life with a, an upset heart and mind, spirit and attitude, and that there was sickness in your life, disease in your life, disappointment, and dissatisfaction in your life. You know, if you, if you uh, find yourself walking in the counsel of the ungodly, you're going to be a very unhappy person. You're going to be somebody that is being led astray going to the right, going to the left, in retreat, heading in wrong directions. If you walk that way, the whole earth was walking in the council and after the council of the ungodly, of those who were not godly, those who were not looking for God, feeling after God, and being counseled by God. The Bible, of course, teaches you that that uh, Adam and Eve followed the wrong counsel. They, they, they followed the counsel of the ungodly, or the ungodly one, through the serpent, the subtle beast of the field, and how that it cost them everything because they listened to the wrong kind of counsel. And that counsel caused them to begin to hide from God. And they were hiding because they had this conscience, they had this faculty that was a part of them, just like uh, their ability to think and to reason and Adam's ability to name all the beasts of the field. And also uh, the fact that Eve was able to be in the garden and she was able to look at all the different trees that she could partake of. But her judgment got clouded by ungodly counsel. And her, her vision got... Uh, her, her ability to see and with her mind as well as her natural eyes until she began to look upon something that God said, leave that alone. God said, don't touch that. Don't get involved with that. Leave that alone. Because in the day you do, you shall surely die. That was good 
counsel, but she rejected that because she took the counsel of the ungodly. She listened to that subtle beast of the field that the Bible said corrupted her mind. Uh, the Apostle Paul described it that way, and his fear, his concern for the church was that their minds should be corrupted from the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that somehow or another they could be turned to the right, turned to the left, and led astray, that they, with the church would uh, be, have people in it that would begin to fall from grace, if you please. Here, this wonderful opportunity, just like Adam and Eve had been given a wonderful opportunity, placed in a, in a garden, which is a type of the church, placed in a place where God said, you're going to have dominion. I want you to be in control. I want you, I want to trust you to run things for me and do things for me here in this garden. I want you to prosper. I want to see things go right here. I want to see much fruit in the garden. I want you to be partaking of things that will prosper your life. But of course, that counsel of the ungodly had slithered into their lives and they had followed that. But it didn't end with Adam and Eve. We read how that Cain, unfortunately, he also was evil affected by that ungodly counsel. He walked in the wrong way. He walked with the wrong thoughts and with the wrong attitude. And he was constantly suspicious of mine and other people's motives and what they were doing. He was jealous. He was concerned that he wasn't going to have as much as somebody else was going to have. And he became jealous of the blessing of the Lord because Adam, uh, that is, Abel, happened to... Uh, by the grace of God, happened to begin to follow the right counsel and begin to do things the correct way. He somehow or another discovered the secret, and the secret was to worship God in a certain manner and a certain way. And he brought the firstling of his flock. He brought the best of his fold. And when he offered that unto the Lord, it pleased the Lord. Instead of Cain taking the example, Cain slew his brother. He let jealousy get a hold of him. And he thought, if I kill that and stomp that out, then I will be the one. But it wasn't that way because, again, he was listening to the wrong voice. And that was the voice of the one who'd already been casted out, who'd already been thrown out. And he was miserable and he wanted everybody else to be miserable. And he knew that God had a good thing going in Adam and Eve's life. He knew that God had a good thing going there in the garden and he knew that God had a good man in Abel and he set about to destroy that ungodly counsel. And it wasn't a good thing, was it? It wasn't a prosperous thing. We don't read where Cain prospered. Not at all. We don't read where he, uh, he began to be blessed of the Lord and his, his leaf didn't wither and that he had roots down. And you know, when the water table goes down, and, and the, the plant, and you as an individual being a plant of the, the planting of the Lord, you could begin to feel a dryness. But you know, the dryness can serve a very good purpose because it can cause you to get those roots to go down deeper. 
seeking out the water. Let me get to the water. Isn't that what Ezekiel did? He said, man, it's not good enough here in the ankle deep. I've enjoyed it for a little while, but, you know, right now I'm feeling a little shallow. I'm feeling a need for some depth here. One place talked about in search of new depths and begin to search. The roots begin to go down. The searching, you begin to search in prayer. You begin to search in worship. You begin to stretch the roots of worship and praise and extend yourself a little bit, and you begin to discover the water. The Bible said even if the tree is cut down and the stock is there through the scent, just the smelling, Brother Weekly said, the smelling can be used to get a good smell of that fresh water, the waters that are coming out of the throne of the Lamb and of the Spirit, and you begin to get that tree begins to sprout, that stump even would begin to bud. I'm telling you, the devil wants you to think that you're dead and it's over. He's a liar. He's just afraid you're going to dig in. He's afraid. You're going to chase the water. He's afraid you're going to reach for the glory and the cloud of Almighty God. The enemy, the enemy brings fear. He brings doubt. He brings unbelief. And he, he wants to somehow find a way to get you tripped up. He wants you to get following the wrong kind of counsel, listening to the wrong kind of words and conversation. He wants things to get into your, into your heart and your mind like a, a, one of those, a chinch bug or something gets in your grass, something to get in there. He wants to introduce something into your mind and into your spirit so that it, he can begin to destroy and erode. But you know, the Bible's teaching if you love God, teaching that if you will uh, begin to meditate, on the law of the Lord, that you will uh, reach for God and for his inspiration and for his divine help. Isn't it wonderful that God gives us divine help, help that no man can give to us, help that no invention can give to us, no amount of an army can give to us, for it is written, not by power nor by might, saith the Lord, but it's by my spirit. There are, there are things that only God can do, and you need to remember that. You need to look to God first. Before you turn to this or to that or to the other, you need to first look to God and ask Him for the divine help. Ask Him to guide you in a godly counsel. Ask Him to take you in a pathway that the, 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 the buzzards haven't seen, the lion hasn't seen, the tiger hasn't seen. Take me in places, God, where only the angels have trod. Give me a place to stand by them. Grant me strength on the right and on the left. Grant me divine protection. Give me that kind of insight, Lord. Everybody said amen. The Bible said in Numbers, it's contained in the scriptures, Numbers 14 and 41, and Moses said, wherewith now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? He said, but it shall not prosper. Disobeying God and his word will never prosper. It will never bring to people what they think it's going to bring. The devil promises liberty for breaking the commandment of God, but he doesn't have liberty to give. He himself is a captive. He himself is reserved in the midst of darkness and chains for all of eternity. He knows that his, his future, his world without end, his fate is sealed. It's all over for him. 
He lost the battle long ago before the foundation of the world. He lost the battle in heaven when he rebelled, when he revolted, when he tried to lift up his head against God and begin try to uh, put himself over God. And God took care of that. God just simply said, it's fine, it's fine. Let the evil present itself and let's see who's who around here. And first news, you know, Michael's came and stood right up and his angels and then all of a sudden Satan and his angels weren't looking so big and so bad anymore because we had two-thirds against one-third. And that old devil just said, let me take my one-third and look out because Michael threw him out. They were thrust out of heaven. And all of a sudden, everything that they dissed, everything that they said was no good, everything that God gave to them, now all of a sudden it was looking real good while he was falling to earth, while he was falling, falling, falling. All of a sudden, back up yonder was looking mighty good. Boy, did I have it good. Wasn't that a great plan? Didn't I have everything? that God gave me. Wasn't I an archangel? Didn't I guard the presence of God? Why did I have to do what I did? But he did it and he paid the price. He's absolutely going to pay it eternally. And so will be those who choose to break the commandment of God. Who choose to go in the way of the ungodly. To sit in the seat of the scornful. To somehow scrunch up the nose and the face and to to by body language as well as thoughts uh, or by being a spectator instead of a participant. Somebody that just, you know, sits back and folds their arms in defiance and uh, shuts down their mind. Somehow it's, it's just no good. It's never going to work. I read in the Bible about a, uh, an individual that in time of famine, it was a dry time, and uh, during this time the Scripture teaches that the man of God was sitting with some of the men of God, and the Lord had told him that the king had sent someone to kill him. And uh, this man came in, this one who leaned on the king's arm, and uh, he had favor with the king. And so he comes in to where the man of God is at. And before he could do anything or say anything, the man of God began to tell him exactly who he was and what his plan was. You've come here to kill. You've come here to think in killing the man of God that you're going to bring the remedy to the famine. You think that that's going to take care of all of your problems. But he let him know that that wasn't going to be. And, of course, right on his heels came the king himself. And the king said, why should I wait any longer? Let me just go right in there and be a part of it and get rid of the man of God, and then everything's going to be okay. But you know what? The man of God made it clear. He said that there was going to be food, and he gave certain weights and measures to it and was an exactness to what was going to take place, that, that this this whole city that had no food was suddenly going to have food and it was going to go for a penance. There was going to be so much of it. And God had been working already on the other end of the line. God had been preparing. God had absolutely sent a sound. He sent a sound of the armies of the Egyptians. He sent a sound of the army of other men. And, and the Syrians got so scared they dropped their weapons, they left their tents, they left their food, they left all of their good possessions and they hit it out running, friend. And they 
kept on running. And the king tried to say, it's just a trick. But when he sent certain men out to look for them, they couldn't find them anywhere. Let me tell you, God can absolutely put the enemy on the run. God can make the enemy a fearful. God can make the enemy hear things that he don't want to hear and turn him and make him run like a scared jackrabbit. I want you to know the man of God, what he said came true. And he also said, because of your attitude, he said, you will see the provision of God, but you will not partake of it. Come on now. You want to trust in the Lord. You want to remember that no weapon formed against thee is going to prosper. But if you will delight in the law of the Lord, if you will meditate in that law day and night, then your leaf shall not wither. And you will be planted by a river. And you, whatever you do for God, will prosper. It will prosper. No weapon. Isn't that a wonderful thing? No weapon. People who disobey God, it is pronounced on them that they, they're not going to prosper. It's a, it's a given. They're not going to prosper. I asked a lot of our young men the other night to please describe to me what they want in a young lady. And all of them, without, without exception, said that first and foremost, it became a given. She had to be in the church. Got to be in the church. Got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Got to be filled with the Holy Ghost because that's the only way you can get in the church. The church is the body of Christ. Yeah, a lot of people can walk in the building and have all kinds of different doctrines and all kinds of different ideas, but the church house and the church are two very different things. Some people think that because they go to the church house that they've got a certain amount of religiousity about them and they're going to make it one day. That's a lot of nonsense. You better tell yourself it's going to take more than just walking in the church house door. It's going to take being born again of water and of the Spirit. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's that. That's settled. Amen. So that's a given in the church. That's a given in the church. Jesus said he was a door. That's a given. You've got to go through the door. There is no other way. You're not going to try to climb up some other way because there is no other way. It's not going to prosper no matter how much religion you have, no matter how much people, lots of people quote the Scripture. Lots of people quote them incorrectly too. Lots of people put heads and tails together that scriptures that have no business being put together whatsoever. They do not put things in, in, in subject matter. The Bible called it rightly dividing the word of truth. And everybody said amen. There, this is under God's control. This is what he chooses to reveal to the church and through the church and to new people as they are being brought into the body of Christ. As they're being birthed into the body of Christ through the born-again experience, that people will be given insight and a revelation, that God can reveal to you that he is but one God. He is not two gods. He is not three gods or three persons or three anything else. He's one God, one God and one alone. And he has all the titles, every title, you Bible title that you can find and underline and talk about. They all belong to the one God. You hear me? The one God. It's not creators. It's the creator. It's not saviors. It's the savior. Amen. And it's not the names above every names. It's the name above every name. 
And that name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Deuteronomy, second time he had to say it, had to get to the next generation. And we better get to the next generation. If you are under 18, I want you to stand right now with me. That makes me feel good. Hurry. All right. Now, we've got to get this to this generation. They have to know. They have to know what the Bible teaches. They have to know that there's one God. That the Bible doesn't teach more than one God. It teaches one God. Everybody said amen. All the boys said one God. Wow. All the girls said one God. Oh, wow, wow. Everybody said one God. One God. Oh, that's so much better. Give God a big hand. You be seated, young people. We've got to get being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to the next generation. And we've got to communicate the things of God to the next generation. Uh, we don't want it to come to a time when the, it's all foreign to them and it's all faded away and that it is no more and that the older people are saying, well, we used to do that and we used to do the other. And at one time, the church believed this. We don't ever want it to come to that. We don't ever want it to come to that. The things of God are eternal. The things of God are right and correct and pure and true and just. And they are to be praised. They are to be observed. They are to be kept and to be guarded and to be protected. These things are to be meditated upon day and night. And you are not to lose the revelation or the light, in other words, that God has given you. He has enlightened the eyes of your understanding that you before did not know him. You didn't know that there was one God. You didn't know that he had a name above all the other names that he possesses and has and that that name is Jesus Christ. But now you know. Now you know. And so because you know, you need to get it to the next generation because it's valuable, because it's important. Who cares if they know who Elvis Presley was? Or who cares if they know who uh, J Jimi Hendrix was? Who cares if they know who 50 Cent is? By that time, everything will have de devaluated the place. 50 Cent will be worth one cent. But I'll tell you, Jesus Christ will never depreciate. His value goes up and up. And up, and up, and up. Amen. When Jesus inspired in his word, and he made it crystal clear, Deuteronomy 28 is a great chapter, especially because you begin the beginning of it, and it's just constantly about the blessing of the Lord for those who obey, for those who observe, for those who do the things that the Lord says. And this is what uh, Moses was inspired to tell the next generation. He got all those that were 21 and down, and he began to teach them and begin to prepare them because the older generation had turned their hearts to go backwards, appointed themselves a captain and said, we're, we're going to head in the wrong direction. It looks like the right direction to us, but then what did they know? They were blind, and they were following the counsel of the ungodly. They were in the flesh. They were, they were seeking fleshly things. They had settled on their lees, and they had, had relaxed, and they had lost their drive and their vision to go forward. And so they just lapsed into reverse, and they began to go backwards. But 
But God said, as we learn, when one won't, one will. And God began to work again with the whosoever wills. And that's exactly how it is in the New Testament, for it is written in John 3.16, whosoever will, right? Whosoever will. So you've got to come to a place where you're reading the Word of God, and it's telling you right there that God, who is a spirit? Who is our Father? So the Father provided the flesh. The flesh was known as the Son. The flesh was flesh. It was the, it was the nature of Abraham. Okay, it was not the nature of an angel. It was the nature of Abraham. It was flesh. It came produced through Mary by the spoken word of the Spirit. Okay, so the Father or God so loved the world that he provided his only begotten flesh, that which he spoke into existence, that which he called his son, that flesh that he was talking about. But in that flesh dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. So the Spirit provided the flesh that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Whosoever. Everybody gets that chance. Everybody's getting that opportunity. And that grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us something. Teaching us to deny ungodliness worldliness in this present evil world. Right here, right now. Everybody said hallelujah. So those first verses in Deuteronomy 28, they give to you so many positive things about the blessings of God. How they're going to surround you. They're even going to overtake you. How aggressive the blessing of God. How much God wants to bless you. How much He wants to pour out his spirit and his blessings upon you. He wanted it so much and loved so much that he said, I will come in the flesh. I will, the invisible will show himself visibly. And that visible showing, that visible part will be the lamb. That flesh will be the lamb. And that will be a sacrifice that will be given on the cross. That's why when Peter began to say, not so, Lord, I won't let them. He grabbed his, the hilt of his sword and began to unsheath it and, and said, not so. I won't let them do these things to you. And Jesus rebuked him because there was a spirit that got on Peter. And Peter thought that, you know, that was going to be a good thing, but it wasn't a good thing because he was making the job more difficult. He was presenting temptation. He was actually allowing the devil to talk through him and inspire him just like he did the serpent in that garden. And Jesus knew that spirit, and he rebuked it and said, Get behind me, Satan. Was he mad at Peter? No, it wasn't about Peter. You get cancer. We're not mad at you. We're after that cancer. We want to get rid of that spirit of infirmity out of your life. If you've got an unclean spirit, we're going to cast out the unclean spirit. It's nothing personal against you. Do you understand? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense unto me. You're trying to hinder the mind of God. You're trying to throw a monkey wrench in the works. That is an ungodly counsel. I will have nothing to do with it. Not going to go opposite to the word of God. Because there's no prospering in that. And we want to work with that which prospers. I encourage you to work with that which prospers. That which is going to grow. That which is going to bear fruit. That which is going to improve the spiritual quality of your life. As well as every other part of your life. 
And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. So listen now, Deuteronomy 28, he then begins to show the flip side of the coin. And he tells them that the, and thou shalt grope. This is what telling them if you're not obedient, if you don't observe, if you don't keep the commandment of the Lord, here in verse 29, he says, and thou shalt grope at noonday. Now you've, you've gone around. Somebody said the other night about, maybe it was Brother Sal, said the other night about um, he knows what it's like to go in the dark and stub your toe uh, against the end of the bedpost or a door or whatever. Uh, I know most of us has had that kind of experience, you know, and then you hopped around in the dark on one foot, you know, and, and, and then you fell into something else, of course, because there were things and you couldn't see them because there was darkness and there wasn't light. And he, and, but that's in the dark. That's usually at nighttime, you know, 6 o'clock. I don't like the winter. I like the summer. But uh, you understand what I'm saying. It's dark, and you grope, and you're feeling around. When the Apostle Paul, who was not yet the Apostle Paul, only in God's mind, in the church's womb, but at that moment he was fighting against the church. And when the Lord smote him down to the ground and blinded him, the Bible teaches that he began to look for people to lead him, take him where he, he was instructed to go because he was blind. He was groping around. Okay, he was groping around. And he said, thou shalt grope at noonday. Didn't say it midnight. It said it afternoon, midnight su midday sun, groping around. He said, as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in the ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. We want to we wanna meditate here in the things of God. We want to bask in the light of his countenance. We want to let the word of the Lord be to you what it is. Let it be that, that lamp and that light that helps you in the path going down the road. That can point out to you, uh-uh, you don't want to go that way. You want to go this way. You want to you be in the straight and the narrow you want to be in a place where we've got boundaries and the lines are set out. They're properly surveyed and God's given you something good. You don't need more than what God has appointed to you. We don't need to go to the left, it teaches, nor to the right. We don't need to get ourselves out of bounds and into areas where there's darkness and where we'll find ourselves tripping and stumbling and, and making all kinds of mistakes and and then we're going to wind up in, a, in an unprosperous situation. We want the, what a happy day it was for that fellow. Was it, was it Obed-Edom for that fellow when the ark had tumbled and they didn't know what to do with the presence of the Lord, so they dropped off the presence of the Lord at Obed-Edom's house. And boy, I want you to know his garden never did produce like that garden produced, okay? And, and, and his treasury, his finances started going up. His portfolio was looking good. Man, the health of his family was great. Their faces were shining because the presence of the Lord had come to reside in his home. What a sad day for him, I'm sure, when they came and took it away, when they finally figured out 
We need the presence of God. We can't leave it for one person. We got to get it up here where it can benefit the whole nation. Come on, church family. We got a job to do here. And the devil don't like it. And he's going to try to fight it every which way he can. But remember, no weapon formed against thee. No weapon is going to prosper. You can remain standing. No weapon. No weapon. Everybody said no weapon. That is formed against thee shall prosper. Because we're working with the one who gives the prospering. We're working with the program that prospers. I'm looking at people that the program has prospered with. I'm looking at them. And I certainly am one of them. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. I like that. He said, this is the heritage. This belongs to us, the church. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. People who serve the Lord are people who are appointed to very high and trustworthy and noble positions in the body of Christ, called to be kings and priests, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Doesn't sound like a bunch of nobodies to me. And you know what? I know that I'm nobody to the world, but I'm somebody to God. And he's the only one that I care about impressing. He's the only one that I'd like to be looking right at me. I want to be known of God. You know, I want to know him, but I want him to know me. I want him to say, "Woo!" That's my youngin right there. Let me show you to whom he's like. He's like somebody that's dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock and then and then building the house out of the right material. They're building it out of material that can stand the flame. We can stand the flood, the weapon of the flood, and we can stand against the weapon of the fire and the flame because God said no weapon, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. So let us, let us focus on what prospers. Let us work with what prospers. Let's ask for the old path. Where it is a good way? And walk ye therein. You're going to find rest for your soul. You're going to find every good thing, every prosperous thing, even in your hard times. And there will be hard times. Even in the difficulties, there will be difficulties. There will be challenges. But even in all of that, you're way ahead of the pack. <laughs> you're way ahead and way above of the spirit of this world. Hear me when I tell you that. And, and you know what? The enemy, Job showed this to us, that the enemy, uh, he was able to come in. He was able to steal every natural blessing that was placed in his life, all the mules, all the camels, all of this, all of that, even to the point that he lost his children. And the houses that they had dwelled in were knocked down. And, and each time, one servant was able to escape and bring him the sad, sorry news. And, and Job just said, Time to pray. I've been praying, but it's time to pray some more. And so Job began to get ready to call on the Lord here and find some help and search after God, and it seemed like God was far away. It seemed like the roots had shrunk up. It seemed like the water wasn't there. It seemed like I'm, I, I was in waters to swim in. My life was so bad. He said he was eyes to the blind. <laughs> he talked about his steps being washed with butter. I mean, friend, it was a good thing, and everybody looked at him, but now, now it's looking pretty bad. Now they're looking at him sideways and kind of funny. 
And Job, now the enemy says, oh, I'm not done. Uh, you didn't curse God and die, so I, I'm going to have to put some more heat up here. I'm going to have to do something else to you. And God said, you go ahead and you go do it, just accept you're not going to kill him. I'm not going to let you take him out. And so he gave him boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, you know. You get gout, you know, you can't walk. You get balls on the bottom of your feet, you're not going to be walking. And so Job just had to sit down and begin to put dust all over himself and scrape himself with a broken piece of pottery. And there he sat, but he never charged God foolishly. He never lost his faith. He never lost the prosperity, the real prosperity. I know my Redeemer liveth. I know that my day is coming. I know that he's going to bring me forth as a vessel for the finer. I know that this is all going to work for the good. It's all going to come out just fine. No weapon, no weapon is going to prosper. It's going to be a temporary thing, Satan. It's going to be a temporary thing. And you know what? You have a New Testament scripture that tells you that the not to fear him that can destroy the body. He said, let me tell you rather to fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. So let's get our, our priority right. Let's get our order, our thinking correctly. I need to work with what prospers. No matter what I lose here, no matter what I go through here, no matter what challenge comes my way and what the devil and all of his imps throws at me, I'm going to stay with what prospers me. And I'm going to realize that the greatest prosperity is my spiritual prosperity. I know that there's one God. I know to be baptized in Jesus' name and all my sins forgiven. I know that he's faithful and just to forgive me of my confessed sins before him, that I can repent and overcome on a daily basis. I know that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that when he's done trying me, I'm going to come out of this for the better. I know that at the end of my days, I'm going to stand in my lot and I'm going to be standing with those that are in the faith hall of fame of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to be with them that would not bend, bow, or buckle no matter what the enemy did. Women saw their children sawed in half, but they still stood for God. One man would worship leaning upon his staff. This is a salvation you can lean upon, friend. This is something you'll prop you up and hold you up right in your most feeble times. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. No weapon, the writer said. And I was going to read you the, the last part of that. He said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. It's not a self-righteousness. It's not you, because your self-righteousness, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. It's, the, it's that righteousness of God. And it's not religious righteousness, because Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. They just had, they had taken everything that God had entrusted them with and they had broken the covenant of God and they had reduced it down. They put it through a frappuccino blender until it didn't look like the law of God anymore. And they just had all their own things and they, they actually looked at the Messiah and observed, he didn't wash his hands before he ate. Ooh. 
And Jesus had to start teaching them some lessons about there were some things that are far greater because you set aside the commandment of God and all you do is want to observe all these things you talk about, the washing of the pots and the cups and the hands and whatever. He said, but, but the people are, are going to hell. The people are falling into the pit. The people are uh, sheep without a shepherd. And all you do is stand around with your religion. He said, that's why you're a Pharisee. You're fair, you see. That's why you're a Sadducee. You're sad, you see. You're one sad, sorry religion. I've come to bring them salvation. I've come to prosper them in their way. I'm going to breathe a living water that their roots are going to go down into. Coming from a river that comes from the throne of the Spirit. Amen and amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. You want to believe God's word. You want God's. What did it say about the Holy Ghost is to comfort you? And you want him to comfort you in that time and in that moment. He taketh the wise, in conclusion, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And the counsel of the froward is being headlong, is carried headlong. He said, they meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. That's where this world is going to find itself. Wondering and following after the beast and after his mark and after his name. And they're going to somehow feel for a, a short time that there's peace and there's safety. But they that know their God are going to realize that at that moment that look out because it's coming. And they're going, it's going to hit them like travail hits a woman when it's time to have a child. You know, there's a very unmistakable pain, women tell me. I don't really know. I'm usually in the coffee shop, awaiting, reading my Bible. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't feel like I'm appointed to that. You know, that's, that's the woman's job. God bless you. I'm praying for you, woman. And uh, many a time I left the wife being rolled down the corridor in that waving at me, and I'm waving at her, and off she's going. And I'd go back and work on the building, friend. Yes, yes, I preach and preach and preach and preach and work on the building too. But I don't have babies. But the women have told me that there is a very unique pain that comes and it sends a very positive signal, you know, and that's what the writer said. They're going to say peace and safety and then it's going to hit them. It's going to hit them like travail hits a woman. And, and I want you to understand that they're going to realize at a moment and in a moment of time, they're going to realize we have not followed the path of prosperity here. We have not followed the spiritual path of God's word. We have found ourselves in the noontime groping it like it was darkness. We, we found ourselves feeling after an answer here and we've tried everything and we've ignored the one, the one that we should have listened to. And we've, we've been a part of forming weapons against him and thought that if we could obliterate that name and get rid of that church and assimilate it into a one world super false church, get them to let down, get them to come 
compromise. Get them to be like us so that we didn't feel convicted by their light and become like them. That's how this world thinks. But I'm telling you, the writer said it's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to see it. But you're not going to get the prospering of it. You're not going to get to partake of it. And that's a sad end to people who abide in a disobedience against God. When the church will be shouting and saying, no weapon formed against me will prosper or has prospered. It has not prospered. No matter what it looks like, it will not prosper. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, and let us determine in our hearts that we're going to work with that which prospers. We're going to stay with that word of God, meditate in it. Blessed is that person. Happy and to be envied is that person that meditates the day of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, day and night. Oh, yes. That person whose leaf is not going to wither. They'll not accuse you, not truthfully be able to accuse you of being a tree without fruit, a cloud without rain, a spot in a feast of charity. Not at all. For you'll bear the fruit. You'll produce the fruit. You will not wither. You, Whatever you do will prosper. Yes, Lord. Let us love him together. Worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. 